Hi, I'm Kat. And I'm Emma. If you love the Dead Prank podcast, you can help support its future using the ACAST supporter feature. Now, it's up to you how much you give and there is no regular commitment. So if you can and you want to, please do hit the link in the show description to support now. Thank you. Thank you. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, you're listening to the DPC podcast, the podcast where we talk about all things dead parent, the good, the bad and the banter, hosted by Sam and Kat. Thank you so, so much. I so appreciate this. No problem. It's an honour. We're so excited. So how did you um, find out about the podcast? Oh my gosh, you know, I was actually thinking about that. I was trying to remember. I'm not sure. I don't know if I found you guys through a tag. I think uh-huh. it may have been through a tag of something, like a hashtag. Yeah. Sort. But yeah, I was actually trying to think of that and I couldn't remember, but most likely through some kind of hashtag. Yeah, the power of Instagram. Yes, it's just such a great community. Oh my With god! So many different people. We've been I, so shocked. I'm loving talking to people from literally like all over the world. <laughs> so cool. This is wonderful. You guys have been doing the podcast for how long now? October, September. Yeah. Oh, coming up to a year already! Wow. Oh my gosh! It yeah. will be, won't it? Before we knew it. Because I've been in Australia for eight months, and we started doing it before I came to Australia. Wow! Wow! So you live in Australia right now? Um, yeah, I've, I've just been here. I'm here for the year. Oh, okay. Yeah, just doing my working holiday, living the dream. And we thought before she went, we were like, we need to do something with like everything that we talk about about our dead parents. So we were like, oh, let's start a podcast, and we can do it when you're in Australia. <laughs> Like and you guys here. made it work. Yeah, yeah, we so are. Yeah, we have somehow. Yeah. Oh, good for you. Oh. It's an important topic. It yeah. totally is. Um. So yeah. So tell us more about you then. So like, how old are you? Where do you work? Just tell us your story. Sure. sure. So let's see. My age. So I'm 35. Um, I work in, I don't want to say the company, it's a well-known company, but it's for in the um, online digital publishing world. Okay, cool. Major, um, healthcare uh, digital website here. And so I'm a senior editor for them. Wow. Uh, and then on the side, I'm also an author. So I have a, wow. a memoir that I released last year. I have my second one being released now in the summer. 
And my third one that I just started working on is actually going to be about grief. Um, so that one I just started. And yeah, so I do quite a few things. And then I also, <laughs> I'm a facilitator for a survivors of suicide support group here in Atlanta. Wow. Uh, so I do that on a volunteer basis and I help lead a group once a month. And yeah, I just have unfortunately quite a bit of experience in this club that nobody wants to be part of. Mm. And um, I, in terms of the, the grief loss, I have lost both my parents. And oh. I'm an only child. And uh, yes, I've lost both my parents. I lost my mom seven years ago next month. No, it's already so seven years ago this month and my father I lost a year ago last March oh wow I'm so sorry so yeah so and I and then there's somebody else I cared about who I lost to suicide so I've I've quite I've had quite my share of grief in this lifetime yeah what happened with your parents yeah, so with my mother, uh, so my mother passed away due to complications of uh, diabetes type 1. So mm-hmm. she had juvenile diabetes ever since she was very young. And she had been in and out of the hospital most of her life. So it was nothing out of the ordinary. And then just things took a turn towards the end. And um, then she passed away. And my father, he had the C word. I don't like to say it because I don't like to give it life or energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I'm one of I'm. I just don't say the word. But yeah, he had the C word. And my father was just such a warrior and a hero because he was given statistically two years maximum, and he was with us for nine years. <gasps> So my father is the ultimate example of mind over matter. That is amazing. Did you, were you all thinking that every single year could have been his last year then for those seven years? That's a good question. Yes and no. I mean, you always, I think as human beings, we always have a little bit of fear, but Knowing who my father was, I always knew if there was somebody who was going to beat this and overcome this, it was my dad. Mm. And in my eyes, he did. So I like, for example, personally, I don't even like it when people say so and so lost their battle too. Yeah, I don't like that phrase because they didn't lose their battle. They won their battle you know, they fought, they fought their battle, they kept their head held high, and they went in full force, you know. Mm. So in my mind, my father won his battle, I mean, even against all statistics and the odds. And so uh, I thought my father was somebody I really believed he was going to live well into his 90s. Because that was just the kind of person he was. He was very spiritually grounded. He was very strong. 
uh, early on when he found out, I remember years ago when he first got the diagnosis, one of the first things he did is he removed anybody from his life who pitied him. Mm. And one time we had a conversation about that and he explained, like, he said, you know, daughter, because he would call me daughter um, in Portuguese, filha, and he would say, daughter, the last thing I need is somebody to throw me a pity party. I don't need people to feel sorry for me when I've got this and I'm going to overcome this, you know, and it's in control. And so that was one of the first things he did is he removed any person from his life that was going to feel sorry for him, look down at him, or just have a poor you attitude. He sounds like a really strong man. Yeah. Um, so, Myra, I'm guessing your dad was um, getting treatment for his cancer at the same time as your mum was really poorly then. Well, you know, it's interesting. So my father, let me try to remember the time frame. He, yes, he was. He had, Mm -hmm. yes, he was. He was undergoing treatment when my mother was still here. Yes, he was under, he was undergoing treatment at the time. Yes. So how, how was that for you then? Because like, I think having two parents that are so unwell must have been really stressful. Well, you know, at the time, so my mother, so at the time, I wasn't so, I wasn't stressed out about my dad. Because like I said, my dad was such a warrior man. He was such an mm-hmm. example. So I wasn't concerned about my father. Uh, because even though he was undergoing, he was undergoing treatment, but everything was under control. My father was the kind of person that if you met him in person, you wouldn't think anything. You would think he was perfectly fine. My mother at the time was the one that I was concerned about because she was very frail. And also just because her mentality and her attitude and her way of being was very different from my father's. Uh, My father was very much an optimistic person, whereas my mother was pessimistic. So my father would always look at the glass as half full, whereas my mother would look at the glass as half empty. So I wasn't at the time feeling like I had to be concerned about two parents. I was concerned about my mom, but I was not concerned about my dad at the time at all. Yeah. How how old were you when your mom died? I was 28. I was 28 years old and um it happened it kind of happened unexpectedly with both my parents. A, a very interesting detail with both my parents is that I just so happened to be with them on the very last day without realizing it was going to be their last day. So that was, it's a blessing that I can say I was literally with both my parents the day they passed away. And yeah, so with my mom, I was, I was 28. And as I'm sure you, you guys understand, I always view my life as there was my life before my mother passed away. And then after my mother passed away, and there's this two huge distinctions and two huge shifts 
Yeah, like completely different people. Exactly, completely different people. So with my mother, when she passed away, and it was my first experience with major grief, that really shook me. I mean, I had experienced grief before in in terms of losing grandparents, but Mm -hmm. my mother was the person that was like closest, you know, to me that really impacted me greatly. And so when she passed away and I was 28, it, it shook my world. And I wasn't a child, but still, even at the age of 28, I felt like I was so young. Uh, there was only one other person at the time that I knew who had lost their parents, and it was my best friend. But everybody else around me had their parents. Mm. So I felt like I was this, you know, odd duckling. And that was very hard for me to deal with knowing. And I hate to say this, but at the time, I really had some kind of resentment Mm. uh, towards everybody else who still had their parents. And here I was at 28. And yes, I was an adult. I was a full grown adult, but whether you're 28, whether you're 35, you're 40 or 50, you never stopped needing your parents. Mm-hmm. And I think, I don't know what age this happens, but even still into your late 20s, people still assume that you have both parents. Like, I don't, I don't know at what age people stop assuming that you have both parents, but it's still... It still happens because I suppose like most people do. Yeah. At those ages, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I do hear quite a bit. Some people will tell me, wow, you've lost both your parents and they're just kind of amazed and in shock. And, and you know, yes, I'm, you know, I'm in my 30s and I've lost both my parents. But at the same time, it's not like I'm a five-year-old child. It's, you know, mm. I'm 35. Like, it's not like I'm five years old and lost my parents. And, you know, it's the, the life cycle. I, the life cycle, you just never know when it's going to begin, when it's going to end, and how it will mm. affect you. I think a part of our mission is making people more aware of the fact that you have to be like people we're trying to make people more aware that not everybody has got both of their parents and to approach the subject more kind of openly and sensitively I suppose and make it less of a taboo you know I agree a hundred percent because I do feel it's still taboo one of the things Mm. that I've seen in my experience and in talking to other people, one thing that bothers me and I know hurts other people who are part of this grief loss community is when you lose your parents or when you lose your loved one, people just don't ask you about them. Mm -hmm. So unless you make the effort to keep their memory alive, you personally If you don't make that effort, it's almost as if they fizzle away. Mm. And uh, and that's something that I wish people understood better. Those who have not experienced grief loss is that we want to be asked about our loved ones. Exactly. We want to be asked about our parents. I mean, 
they are a huge part of our lives. And I understand sometimes people may feel, well, if I ask, I may be opening up a can of worms. But that's not the case. You're not going to say anything to me that I don't already know. Like my parents exactly. not here. Like you're not going to be bringing this new idea to me. It's the opposite. It's actually comforting if somebody takes the time to ask, you know, about your loved one, your parent, and just and just ask about them as a person or ask about a particular memory or a particular experience. Uh, that's what I wish people understood better. I love the bit that you said, Tamika, um, like it kind of gets left up to us to keep that person's memory alive because it's so true. If we, like, I think in my day-to-day life, if I never brought my mum up, it would honestly be like she never existed, especially like with my friends and at work. I could probably go weeks without talking about her, which which is really freaky. <laughs> Yes, exactly. And do you feel like you need you need to talk about her and bring her up? Oh God, yeah, yeah, definitely. It's like well, Sam always says, "I would tell you the story if my dad was alive." So why would I not tell you this story now just because he's dead? Mm. Mm-hmm. I love that. yeah. That's that's literally one thing that people because people always ask us, right? What do you say to someone? How do I approach a subject? And I'm like, just ask them about the parent. Like everyone wants to be able to talk about them. And people often are scared to bring, I mean, I don't think I could say it any better than how you just said it, Myra, but people are often, they they either like don't want to upset us or they feel awkward or whatever, but literally just asking them about their parent, just even if it's just like, oh, tell me about, tell me about them. Tell me about your mom. Tell me about your dad. And even like, for example, uh, we have a friend whose dad died six years ago and I, um, I've i only just become friends with her this year um, and I asked her what her dad's name was and some of her friends that have been friends with her for years didn't know what her dad's name was because they'd never asked oh, her. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's even just small things like that, like, makes such a huge difference. It does. And it can be brought up in casual conversation. I don't think it's something where you need to overthink it or set some rules or, okay, I'll approach in this situation. I'll bring it up. Like it can be very casual conversation. It's not going to make your friend or or the person you're speaking to all of a sudden go into a deep depression or anything like that. You know, if anything, they're going to be grateful that you took mm. the moment to ask because we do want to keep their memory alive and it's a way we can honor that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It's so true. Um, so how are you like navigating life now without either your mum or your dad? Like, I, I don't know. I can, I can only imagine because you know, there's, moments where everyone says like oh I'll just ask my mom or my dad like who do you go to now for support absolutely well uh it's been it's been different so losing my mother was very different from losing my dad they were two completely different grief experiences which was something that even surprised me so when I lost my mother I was always daddy's little girl growing up me and my dad were super super close you know, my dad was my go-to person. He was my best friend. My mother and I 
we had a bit of a rocky relationship. Uh, when she when she passed away, we were fine, but we had a bit of a rocky relationship when I was growing up. So when my mother passed away, I had my father. So that really helped me tremendously with my healing. I could talk to my dad at any time of day and he would listen. And my parents were divorced. They had been divorced since I was 11 years old. But still, my dad was always there for me regardless. So I was able to go to him and that helped a lot. And my dad was so instrumental that I would say it wasn't even so much after my mother passed away that I had these, you know, very insightful, valuable moments, but they actually came before she passed away because before she passed away, uh, like I said, my mother was the kind of person who was very pessimistic and I dare say even bitter. And my father would always say, whatever you do, show her love, whatever you do, show her love. And so that always stayed with me. So I always showed my mother love up until the very end, because I never wanted to live with any kind of guilt. Um, And that was very important for me. So when she passed away, I had my father to lean on. And I had my one best friend who had lost her mother too. And she was the only friend at the time that I had who had also lost their parents. So I had her to lean on and she was actually with me the day that I found out that my mother had passed, um, when I got the call from the hospital, she was with me. So it was almost as if God was working in mysterious ways and making sure that I wasn't alone in that moment. So I had my father after my, my mother passed away um, in, order to, uh, in order of having a person to turn to. When my dad died, it was different. So... When my dad died, I was already in Atlanta. And so I didn't have that kind of community set up around me. So initially, I had my best friend in Florida that I could turn to. And I have another friend here who also has lost both her parents that I met after I moved to Atlanta. So I was able to turn to her. But not many people. And and to be quite honest, the people that I felt like I could really turn to were the very few people who themselves had experienced grief loss. But it was a, a just a very small circle because even to this day, the only people I really know who've lost their parents is there's my best friend in Florida. She's lost her mom. And I have a best friend here in Georgia who I met after I moved and she's lost both her parents. So I could turn to them and rely on them. And aside from that, I would say I have, there's, I have these friends, they're an older couple and I've dubbed them my adopted parents because they've Mm -hmm. been amazing in my life since I moved to Georgia. And so I can certainly count on them as well. And they've been really instrumental, but it's been a very small circle of people. And I think what's dangerous with that is in turn, we end up internalizing so much of our grief when we don't have an outlet or a community 
to turn to. I couldn't agree with that more. Like, that's one of the reasons, well, almost like the kind of the main reason why we wanted to start this podcast, because me and Kat knew how lucky we were to have each other. So we, when, um, when Kat's mum died, we were both living together and my dad had died the year before. So we had each other to kind of go through the grief together with, and we still continue to have each other. And we knew that we were so incredibly lucky to have that. And so we wanted to be able to help out those other people who don't have that. Um, and it's surprising the amount of people that don't. Like We didn't realise kind of how, how lucky we were. Mm. Yeah, it, it, and you're so right about that. It is very surprising. I am still, yeah. When I when I speak to people around me, and and yeah, and I and I realize how we just live in a world that feels so isolated and so alone, uh, whether we want to admit it or not. And especially with grief, as both of you know, when your parent dies, those first few weeks, uh, everybody surrounds you. Right. Everybody's there. Oh, I'm here. Anything you need. I got it. I'm here. And then that all disappears as the weeks go on, as the months go on. And then you feel like you can't talk about it, really, unless there's somebody else who's been there in in your shoes, just like it's been with with both of you. You've been able to turn to each other, but it just it becomes more difficult as time goes on for various reasons. There's so many misconceptions about grief. People think, you know, there's like a timestamp on grief and after a certain point, you need to get over it. And that's not true at all. And so Mm -hmm. you end up coping with a lot of it on your own, unless you do have those valuable, true friends that you can turn to and just like you I mean I have a couple that I can turn to the ones my friends who've also lost their parents I mean I know I can go to them at any time if I'm having a moment if I'm feeling sad I can talk to them but with the world at large it's not the same and you find yourself often kind of putting on a mask so to speak pretending mm-hmm. you're okay when you're really not okay and it's just you know how so- the society around us is it's so true and I, I feel like partly like we have to kind of like pretend to be okay every single day to be okay you know because I think if you let yourself be consumed by your grief every day when you wake up in the morning life is never gonna be be okay you know so it we kind of have to trick ourselves I think every day and we we spoke about this in a podcast the other day where we said I feel like it's only really at those key moments like the milestones like the years anniversary when somebody's died or on their birthdays when you finally let that wall down and let yourself feel the grief and let yourself not be okay Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I find that even on and and in those days that you allow yourselves not to be okay, and you're talking about those milestone dates, and even those milestone dates, it seems like people kind of forget about you. 
as time goes on. I remember with you talking about this, it just came to my mind. The one day that was always so painful for me when it came to losing my mom and losing my dad, it wasn't so much their birthdays. It wasn't so much the day they died. I mean, the first year it was obviously, but as time went on, the one day that was always the most painful to me was Mother's Day and Father's Day. So when those days came around and you really feel it, I mean, those were the days that I really, my grief would certainly come to the surface. And those were the days where I felt so alone. And I started to do this thing where I would just shut off social media and not look at social media on those days because it was just too much to get on social media and see everybody saying happy mother's day happy father's day. And it's like hundreds and hundreds of messages like that. And um, yeah, those kinds of things would get to be too much for me. And then, yeah, again, you just go back to then internalizing it and keeping it to yourself. But I will say this: something that has helped me though, tremendously aside from my, my couple of friends that I'm very close to, And this wasn't even with my parents' loss, but with the suicide loss that I had, um, I started going to a support group. And I started to realize how healing those support groups can be. And I know there are support groups for just general bereavement as well. And that has helped me tremendously to have this outlet where I can speak to other individuals just like I'm speaking with you ladies right now and I don't feel alone and I don't feel crazy and you're all in the same boat and all of your emotions are valid. And that has helped me a lot with my grief personally. Yeah. Again, it's the whole thing of um, being around people that understand what you've gone through. So like, that's kind of like, what the grief community is online it's like one massive online support group isn't it there's just something so helpful about being surrounded by people who actually understand how you feel and people you you can you don't feel uncomfortable saying I'm really pissed off that nobody around me is remembering that I'm grieving and like you can just say whatever you want freely which I think is so helpful and I think you touched on an important point you said it right there like you don't have to feel uncomfortable because I feel Mm -hmm. that's one of the issues we have in society when it comes to grief loss is that society still teaches us like okay there's only there's a time and place for this or if you talk about it too much you're gonna end up being an annoyance or you're going to be a burden on somebody else. And so we yeah. we just impose all these different things on ourselves. And then we say, okay, like, let me keep it to myself and not say anything. But in the end, we're actually doing more harm than good. So when we can find that community of people where you can let your guard down and just be real. I mean, I remember one time when my father after my father died. So my grief with my father was very different from my mother's because since my mother's was my first major grief loss, I felt all these like quote unquote crazy emotions and I was 
absolutely devastated because I didn't even know what grief was like. And it was my first time experiencing it. And then when my dad died, something that surprised me is since I was daddy's little girl, I thought I was going to be weeping like a baby every single day. And I wasn't. And I was numb after my dad died. And that surprised me. And I was just numb. And I don't know if it was because I couldn't believe I was going through this again, or if it was because I was at peace knowing that me and my dad had a good, such a good relationship. I don't know. But I remember one day I came home and I had just, you know, I was going about my days, just everything was quote unquote fine. And one day I came home and I had a very bad day that day at work. And I came home and I was crying. I don't remember about what exactly, but I was just crying, crying, crying. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to call my dad. And then as soon as I that thought came to me immediately, as you ladies know, the second thought is, I can't. I can't yeah. immediately after. And then when that realization occurred to me, I just started bawling, just bawling. And it was the first time after my dad passed away that I just really wept. And I was just bawling my eyes out. And I was just so angry that I couldn't call my dad. And he was my go-to person. But then I called my best friend. I remember I, I calmed down a little bit and then called my best friend. And that's what's so wonderful about the community that understands and who's been there is you can have those moments and it doesn't matter what time of day it is, you can reach out and they're going to be there yeah. and they're going to listen and they're not going to judge you. Just like I was able to call my best friend mm -hmm of the moment and she totally got it honestly like I know that if I was having like a massive breakdown I could call Sam and literally just be like crying down the phone and just say I just feel like shit and Sam would instantly understand whereas yeah. if I called any of my other friends they'd be like oh my god what's wrong what's wrong and like yeah, don't yeah, have you my have house. yeah you know yeah absolutely and you know and you saying you can call Sam it just gives you permission to be human and I think that's something we need more of when it comes to grief loss is we just need permission to be human. And the reminder mm. that it's mm. okay to not be okay. Whereas I think it's so easy yeah. for, for people to want to sweep it under the rug or to want to change the subject. And that that's not oh, yeah. helping a person who's grieving. A lot of times it's not even about what you say. It's about just being present, just being there yeah. in that moment. I think people always want to be able to help as well. They, they always say like, what can I do? How are we going to make this better? What can I do? And it's like, well, there's nothing that you can, can do that's going to make it better but other than just listening to me and being there. But I think people, they want to put a plaster on it, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And sometimes you just need somebody who's just going to sit beside you and just hold you through your tears. Mm -hmm. And I think for those people who don't know what to do, that's perfect. I think it's perfectly okay for somebody to say, hey, I don't know what to say to you right now. Like, I don't know how to help yeah. you, but you tell me how I can help you. It's okay to say, I don't know what to do. 
If you, I mean, if you've never experienced it, of course, you're not going to know what to do. That's a very valid thing to say. And so I don't think those people who say, I don't know what to do. I don't think they should be judged or reprimanded for that. But if you don't know what to do, you don't know what to say. It's okay to say that too, at the same time. Mm. Totally agree. So on, on that note, did, what about your other friends that have not experienced that kind of loss? Did it change your relationship with them? It did. I think, um, I always say when with grief loss, it can either make the relationships around you stronger or it can have the opposite effect Mm -hmm. and break them apart. And that's the mysterious thing about grief is you never know which way it's really going to go until you experience Mm -hmm. it. So I've had both situations Mm -hmm. happen to me. I've had uh, friendships that were strengthened. And I've had friendships that, I mean, I can think of people right now that I haven't spoken to since my dad died or since my mother died. And that was the last time I spoke to them. So I've, I've experienced both. And mm-hmm. with the ones who are no longer a part of my life, it it is what it is. And I know currently I have the people in my life who are meant to be in my life. What about when you're meeting new people? Because obviously you've now moved to Atlanta. So then you have to navigate meeting new people all over again and finding a new support group, which I bet must have been really quite difficult. That's a great question. Uh, It's funny you asked that question. So for example, I used to be the type of person where before, if I met somebody, one of my very first questions would always be to ask, oh, tell me about your family. And then after Mm -hmm. I experienced my own grief loss, I stopped doing that. Because I realized you never know. You never know the story or the hurt that's behind asking a question like that pain or the baggage. And I'm not even talking necessarily about grief loss. It could be you're asking somebody, you know, tell me about your family and they come from a very dysfunctional or abusive family dynamic. You just never know. It can be a very heavy loaded Mm -hmm. question. And I used to ask it before thinking, oh, I'm asking a casual question. But when you think about it, it's not a casual question. There can be so many things behind it. So yeah, when I meet people now, I always kind of, it's weird. I don't know if you ladies experience this. In a way, I don't want them to ask me about my family right away. But at the same time, yeah. I kind of do. So it's a little bit yeah. of both. Um, I know that's, it, that's contradictory, but uh, I feel... Right. Yeah, I don't know. When I meet people now, if they ask me about my family, I'm just honest. You know, if they ask me, oh, well, well yeah. where's your mom or what does your mom do for a living or, you know, your dad, I'll just say I, I've lost my father. I don't if they ask me a direct question, I'm not going to lie. So I don't lie yeah. about it. Yeah. But it's not something I bring into the conversation early on unless somebody else does it first if that makes sense yeah totally. well yeah because I think you know I'm not gonna 
bring up conversation with them and be like, hey, so what do your parents do? Because my mum's dad, <laughs> and my dad's miserable. You know? And I don't know if you've ever, if you've experienced this, but something that I find very comical is whenever somebody will say, like, you know, how's your family or ask a question? And I know whenever I immediately say, well, I don't have my parents anymore, you know, um, both my parents are deceased. I always wait to see for that moment of silence. <laughs> it's mm. immediately after. It's like these five seconds of silence. Like they don't know what to say <laughs> or how to respond. Yeah, they're like, you can see them like desperately trying to read your face to be like, oh God, what, how do I, what do I say? Now? Oh yeah, and God. it's actually become like a funny thing for me to just. <laughs> yeah. What's their really? reaction going to be, you know? I am. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you a quick story of. Um, I bought a necklace at the airport. I went to China recently, and I landed back into London Heathrow. And um, I went to Tiffany's, and I bought a necklace. It's just like it's got a little love heart on it, and it's got Mum written on it. And it's from Tiffany's, but it wasn't really expensive. Um, and as I was buying it, the woman behind the counter went, "Oh, are you buying this for your mum?" And I said, "Oh, no, no." And she went, oh, goodness, like, you don't look old enough to be a mum. You look about 19. And I said, oh, no, it's not for me. Um, my mum's my dead, so I'm buying it for that. <laughs> and the woman, behind, the woman behind the counter was just like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> and then after that, not, she honestly just could not do enough for me. And it sounds awful, but I'm just like, you know what? Like, this is why you shouldn't just presume. Like, you should ask, oh, what's the reason why you're buying this? Not, oh, are you buying this for your mum? Like, you know, because it's, it's a trigger, isn't it? Oh, yeah. It, you know? it, it, <laughs> that's so funny. This is so funny. <laughs> yeah, no, but it absolutely can be. And, yeah, we sometimes ask these questions without even thinking. And it became such an eye-opening moment for me because I would ask those types of questions without even thinking before my parents died. Oh, and then after too. they died, it became such an eye-opening moment for me to realize, okay, you have to be a little bit more mindful and a little bit more sensitive, you know, when asking these questions. So, so true. So true. I know like, me and Kat often say as well how so often we, like, thrive in that awkwardness. <laughs> Sometimes so it's bad. so funny that we just people. love to do That's it. That's exactly it. They, it's just thriving in that awkwardness. Yeah, that it's, you just took the words out of my mouth. Yeah, that's exactly that's exactly what it's like and you're just like and it's it sounds kind of weird to say but it's a moment you kind of even look forward to (laughs) (laughs) yeah you're literally like sorry not sorry (laughs) but I yeah but then I think as well I think with with like us the fact that we look forward to it is because we know that we can then like change the perception of that moment and that conversation Mm. that like and we can encourage more conversation from that. Yes, exactly. I think you just nailed it. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just you already, you just, you open up that conversation. You just open up that dialogue. And it then just, you just then see right away, okay, well, is this a person that can have this conversation with me? And if they can, great, wonderful, then let's continue. And if they can't, then... It's unfortunate, you know, but you do want to kind of just like end any kind of taboo or whatever, like right away. 
Yeah. Totally. So what was for you, I mean, if there has been any, like what was like the most valuable thing that, or valuable or helpful thing that someone either said or mm. did, um, you know, both after your mum died and after your dad died? Oh gosh, ladies. Well, I will reiterate what I said <laughs> earlier, just because it was so valuable and it wasn't after my mom died, but um, what my father had said before she died of um, whatever you do, show her love. Uh, that was so valuable uh-huh. because it really helped me not have any guilt um, when my mother passed away. And my last words to my mom were literally, I love you. And without realizing she was going to pass away. After my mom passed away, the one thing that comes immediately to mind that was so valuable was I have a best friend of mine, Mike. So shout out to my best friend, Mike. And he was living in Idaho at the time. And I was in Miami. And at the time when my mother died, you know, I had friends and people I knew who said, oh, when is her memorial service? I want to go. I'm going to be there. And then when the memorial service came, they didn't show up. And I thought that was just so rude. And Mike, on the other hand, he was in Idaho. He got on the first plane to come down to my mother's memorial service. He was literally in Miami for 24 hours. And 24 hours later, he flew back to Idaho. And it was just such a moment of like, wow, I have all these other individuals who are geographically much closer to me than he is and are saying they're going to go to the memorial service, then they don't show up. And yet here I have this other person who is hundreds of miles away and on a whim, he's just taking time off work to come and be there for me for 24 hours. And oh, so God. that was something that was so valuable to me that I remember after my mom died and him just being there for me in those 24 hours, he did more for me than a number of other people combined. You know, that were just like kind of half there, but not really. They were just kind of trying to do quote unquote their part, but not really there for me. Um, so that sticks out in my mind after my mother passed. That was very valuable to me. Literally showing up. Yeah, exactly. Literally showing up. Because I find also with grief loss, I'm sure you ladies probably experienced this. Like somebody will say, oh, sorry for your loss, let's say on social media. And so in their mind, they then think, oh, I've done Mm -hmm. my part. You know, I gave her the one sentence of sorry for your loss. So I've done my part. I can wipe my hands clean. But somebody who, like my friend Mike, who sh- actually showed up. And I always go back to this quote about friendship that says, friendship is not about being there when it's convenient. It's about being there when it's inconvenient. And Mike was the total example of that. Um, so uh, when I think about my mom's passing, that certainly comes to mind. When I think about my dad, uh, with my dad, it was different. Um, 
because like I said, it was, I had only been in Atlanta for a year. So I didn't have like my community set up here yet. So with my dad, it wasn't something initially, but the, 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 the older couple that I've mentioned who I've now dubbed my adopted parents, they embraced mm-hmm. me. Uh, they just really surrounded me and constantly checked in on me. And that was so important to me because, as you know, ladies, when you are in the deep pits of your grief, sometimes you don't even have it in you to reach out to anybody. And you're just mourning alone. And you need somebody to hear you in your silence, to recognize that silence of like, okay, maybe we need to check in. And they did. And they would constantly just check in and say, how are you doing today? Sometimes they wouldn't even say, how are you doing today? Sometimes they would say, how are you doing in this moment? Oh, I love that. And that made all the difference to me. Because when you're grieving, sometimes it's just moment to moment, second to second, minute to minute, it changes. And so that was very special for me. The fact that they were consistently checking in and not just checking in, but instead of just asking a why generic question of like, how are you? You know, how you been doing? They were like, no, no, no. How are you in this moment? That really helped. Yeah, they sound amazing. Sam and I know all too well how one second you can be fine, the next second you're crying in bathroom toilets, right, Sam? <laughs> oh, mate, yeah, preach it. E.g. last Friday or on the day after, on the Saturday, when you can literally be having the best time in, like, I was at a bar last week having the best time, went up to the bar to order an espresso martini, just started crying, had to go home. I was like, literally, what the Yeah, and that's the thing about <laughs> grief, too, that um, I don't know if... A lot of people realize this and, you know, I've been talking a little bit about misconceptions and I think it's another misconception is that those who haven't experienced grief, they think it's a linear thing when it's not. Um, Grief comes in waves. You can be going A to B, B to C, C to D, and next thing you know, you go from D back to A. Just like that. (laughs) Yeah. And... That's how grief is. Grief will catch you by surprise, just like it, it it came, it surfaced for you at the bar. And that is so natural. You'll have these mm-hmm. moments where it'll just be a trigger. Like you'll have a very subtle reminder of something that maybe your mom liked or something that your dad liked, or you will smell something that reminds you of them. And that just becomes yeah. a trigger. And next thing you know, yeah. you know, the... The, the floodgates of your tears just open. And and that's just grief. That's just how it is. It's it's ongoing. You never get over it. I think one time somebody described grief to me in such a beautiful way. They said that grief is a souvenir of love. And those who don't really understand grief, they simply haven't lost a piece of their heart. Because when you lose a piece of your heart, then that grief stays with you forever. 
you don't get over it, but you do find ways to move forward with it. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Love that. So true. <laughs> Love that. Mm. It's like a, a few people have said, to, someone said to me actually last week um, when I was in that kind of state that I was in last week, they were like, "This it's amazing that you feel this way because it shows to me how much you how much love you had for your dad and still have for him like it's literally you are just showing your love right now yeah absolutely it's such a exactly Mm. it's such a representation of you know the love you yeah you have for your dad and you just have for your parents I mean I remember one of the things when I lost my mother one of the very first things that I felt I don't know if you ladies experienced this but I felt so empty and it was the first time yeah. that I felt as if a part of me was actually missing. And it was just such, such emptiness that started to like eat away at me in the beginning. But then, you know, as time went on, just like the love I had for my mom and the love I had for my dad and still do, it started kind of filling in those gaps. You know, and so that mm-hmm. love is what gave me the strength to move forward. I still get that a lot now. I think it's one of the, one of the scarier parts of grief is that feeling of like literally like nothingness of just feeling so sad that you don't feel anything. I think I think it's one of the worst parts when you're just kind of walking around and just being like, I don't feel like I'm capable of feeling anything anymore because I'm just so Yeah, hurt. because you feel hollow. It's just, it's the sensation of yeah. just feeling hollow. Like somebody just came in and tore this crucial part of you and just ripped it out from you. And when we, yeah. when our lives are so defined by our parents who have loved us and and supported us and nurtured us and just raised us. And then that's all of a sudden gone. It's very hard. It certainly is very painful. I remember with both my parents, I, I felt, I remember thinking, my goodness, am I ever going to experience unconditional love again? Because I thought, you know, my parents were the two human beings who loved me unconditionally. And I knew that for a fact. And that was taken away. And 
to have that thought of, wow, maybe I'm never going to experience unconditional love again. Like that was very painful. And, and there's no other way around it. I mean, grief is painful. We understand it's part of the quote unquote life cycle, but it's, there's no denying it's unbelievably painful. Yeah. Um, so I can, I can tell anyway, obviously that everything you've been through has shaped your life a lot, but um, from your perspective, like, do you think it's made a massive difference in the way that you go about your life and your attitude towards it? Because I feel like I'm guessing one of the reasons why you're so active in your community now is because of what's happened to you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm sure you ladies can agree. I mean, when you experience grief, it, it, it inevitably changes you somehow. In some shape, it does. Mm. For me personally, it just changed my life a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Like I said before, like I can distinguish my life, how it was before my mother passed away, who was my first major grief loss. And then everything after my mother died. And it changed me in various ways. Um, it changed my outlook. I mean, people say it makes you appreciate life and it makes you recognize that life is short. But it's true. It does. It made me more. It made me hold my relationships even closer to me. It made my relationships yeah. that really mattered to me. It made me hold those relationships in a in a sacred light, and just put in the effort more, and put in the effort more to check in to say I love you. I mean, I'm the kind of person where I will randomly just text my friends and be like, I love you. And just making sure nothing is left unsaid. That nothing that's in your heart is left unsaid. So it, it definitely shifted my life in that regard. Uh, it shifted my life in terms of just appreciating what's around me, appreciating that we not appreciating, but recognizing that we are all here on borrowed time. And every day that goes by, it's it's kind of a morbid realization, but it's true. We're just one day closer to our death with every day that goes by. Yeah. And so that realization has just made me um, just appreciate everything around me even more. I think the biggest thing I've learned with losing both my parents is it has made me live my life to the fullest. So it made me not waste any more time, not allow my life to be at a standstill. I mean, I mm -hmm. sometimes meet people and I, I consider myself to be a very ambitious kind of determined person and I'll meet people and they'll say, my gosh, you know, how do you have this drive? Like, how do you have that passion? And and they're trying to figure out what their own passions are and what their own goals are. And I just say, well, losing my parents just did it for me. When you realize you're here on borrowed time, you don't want to waste a second of it. And so it has made me just do all the things I wanted to do, like Australia, you know, going to Australia at the end of the year, which is on my bucket list. So just mm -hmm. not waste any time and try to leave everybody I encounter who means a great deal to me, 
try to always leave them with words of kindness because you never know what tomorrow can bring. And so it's just, it's just opened up my eyes. It, it just opened up my eyes. And I think in other ways it it also changed me by bringing me closer to my calling. And I do think my, a great part of my calling now has to do with grief loss. I mean, when I've, when you've experienced three major grief losses in different kinds of scenarios, like I have, and I'm in my thirties, I mean, you just have to stop and think, okay, what's the bigger picture (laughs) with this? What am I really supposed to take away? Like Mm -hmm. I've been with three people on their last day on earth. What's the meaning behind that? You know, what is the bigger takeaway from this? So um, I certainly don't want any of these experiences or the lives these dear loved ones of mine lived. I don't want any of that to be in vain. So it's just, um, it just made me, I would venture to say it's made me evolve and mature as a human being and just be more compassionate and more loving as well. Couldn't agree more, especially um, like expressing your love to people. Um, I find myself doing that so much more now. Like I'm always like, oh, I just love you so much because I never want anybody to feel uncared for and unloved because you're right like you never know when anything could happen yeah you just don't and it's funny because even today I um I texted my 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 friend and I said hey just wanted you to know I love you and I was just having a moment where I just wanted to say that and she texted me back and she was like are you okay is everything okay (laughs) I was like no 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 everything's fine don't worry (laughs) I really just genuinely wanted to say I love you because I was feeling it so yeah it's well it's isn't it it's almost sad though that like people think that there's something has to be wrong for you to be telling them that you love them yeah yeah it just happens though and also because there's as you know too the other side of all this is mental health and mental health awareness and we're just part of a generation mm-hmm. that deals with so much anxiety with just depression and the list goes on and on. So we are just part of a day and age where the first automatic thought is, is everything okay? Instead of, no, I'm just speaking from the heart. You know, I just wanted to say, I love you. <laughs> and um, yeah. that's just, yeah, that's just part of the, the, the generation we are part of right now. But uh, yeah, that, that was pretty funny. But like you said, same here. It's just important for me to, not leave anything unsaid it's just so important for me to speak from the heart and speaking from the heart doesn't mean that whatever i say is going to be reciprocated but that's not the point the point is for at the end of the day i want to be the one who's at peace i want to be able to go to my deathbed when the time comes and be at peace and be able to say you know what i may not have had the perfect life but I tried to do the best I could. I tried to make amends where it was necessary. And I tried to always speak from the heart. And if I can say that on my deathbed, then I'll be glad to go and be reunited with my parents. Oh, that's such a nice way to think about it. So you, what is the work that you do currently in grief support? Because I was going to ask you our hero question, which is, what would you say to someone 
right now? Like what advice would you give to someone who's going through um, right now, like the the situation that you've been through and are going through? Um, But is there any, I mean, I imagine if you're doing actual grief support, you probably encounter this quite a lot and have to give advice quite often. Sure. So with the the grief support that I do, so it's specifically suicide related. So it's a support group Mm -hmm. for those who have, lost loved ones to suicide. So I didn't lose my parents to suicide, but I did lose somebody else I cared about to suicide. And so it's just a support group Mm -hmm. where they've lost somebody um, to suicide and they just come in and we just surround them with love and light and healing. And we just want to offer them a safe space for them to really open up and to really share whatever's inside their heart and it's a no judgment kind of zone. And so, um, yeah, what I, what I've really gained from being a facilitator in that group. So I was first a participant. I was a participant for a very long time. And then once I went through my healing journey, I was trained and got certification in certain, um, suicide awareness things. And then I became a facilitator. And so now what I would say to anybody, so, so so to the person who has just experienced a grief loss, what I would say is something that was shared with me is, first of all, be gentle with yourself. Be gentle with yourself. Take the time for the self-care you need and for the self-love. Whichever way that may manifest itself to you. Um, just take the time to do that. Certainly do not compare your grief to somebody else's grief journey because we are all Mm, going through different grief journeys. And so that can sometimes happen. Like, for example, I'll see um, people come to the group, uh, the SOS, the Survivors of Suicide group, and they'll look at me and they're like, how can she be where she is now? And she seems to be, quote unquote, OK. And I try to mm-hmm. remind them I am two years out from my loss. Whereas, you know, you you just experienced this devastating, raw thing. And I've been in your shoes. So certainly don't compare. You know, we all we all grieve in our own way. We all grieve at our own pace and we need to be respectful of that. Um, So, and the other thing I would say is you're not alone. And I know that's cliche and we hear that a lot, but I think the more we say it, the more we start believing it. So Mm -hmm. I would just remind them you are not alone. You're not the first person who has unfortunately experienced this devastating event. And you're not the last person who will experience this devastating event. Um, With grief loss, it's something that will affect us all. There's no way around it. At some point or another, we're all going to be affected by grief loss in in life. And I also say just find an outlet. Find an outlet for your grief, for your emotions. That is so important for the healing journey We need to have an outlet where we can just let our emotions come out. Um, My friend describes it perfectly. She says, we need an outlet sometimes for that diarrhea of the mouth. (laughs) 
<laughs> so you need to allow your diarrhea of the mouth to come out. <laughs> you just need to have an outlet. So whether that outlet for you, you feel comfortable in a group setting, not in, and sometimes people don't. And if you don't, that's okay. Whether that outlet for you is just to have a friend you can talk to, just like both of you ladies have been able to turn to each other and, you know, nurture this beautiful mm. friendship. Or, or whether your outlet is just to just go to church and just, you know, sit down and or maybe it's journaling. Maybe you're somebody who likes to write. So you just write your emotions and everything you're feeling. But find an outlet that works for you because it's not a journey that you're meant to do alone. And so just reach out. Do not be afraid to reach out and it's it's hard to say this but it's true the only way to get to the other side of our grief journey is through it there, there's no other way unfortunately there's no magic pill that we can just swallow and then we're fine and we're back to normal it's just through it and it's hard and it's heavy. I mean, I had to do so much work, especially with my suicide loss. I had to um, go to a, I did a grief program at my church for three months where I met with a mentor every week. Um, I had my support group. I had to go to therapy. I had all these different outlets that were healing for me. It's hard work, but you deserve that. You deserve that self-care. Mm -hmm. You need to be gentle with yourself and love yourself too. You deserve that. Yes, yeah. Powerful. So powerful. Oh, I'm inspired. <laughs> I don't know about you, Kat. I'm, I'm feeling inspired. <laughs> I love, I love this. I love the way that you said, be gentle with yourself. Like, I think we need to, we need to let ourselves off so often. Don't expect to feel fine. Even after four years, I still... You know, I'm still like, why do I still feel like this? But you just have to remember, it's like, you know, we speak to people who are eight, 10, 12 years down the line and still feeling the same. So we're, we're, we're just always going to, we're always going to exactly. just allow yourself. Yeah, there's no timestamp on grief. No. Exactly. Thank you so much, Mara, for your time at this horrible hour for you. Like, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Not a problem. But thank you so much for having me and, you know, just opening up this conversation and dialogue. I really appreciate it. We are so we happy to meet you. Everybody that comes on and talks to us because, you know, it's I think it's, it's a difficult subject for people to broach and people just let it all out, which is amazing. So, yeah, we're super grateful. Well, kudos to you. Kudos to you for all your work. Oh, thank you and to you as well look at us all doing great things yes. <laughs> Big up to us oh thank you so much thank you ladies thank you so much for listening to this week's dpc podcast we hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have and have found some comfort in the stories that you've heard today if you've resonated with anything we've said have any questions or want to get involved, please do contact us. We're on Instagram. It's at DPC Podcast. You can email us on dpcpodcast at hotmail.com or we have a contact form on our website 
www.dpcpodcast.co.uk. We have a whole bunch of resources over on our website. More information about dealing with grief, losing a parent and professionals to contact if you should need it. Because as Kat so eloquently said in our first podcast, we're not providing healthcare, we're just chatting shit. <laughs> if you think this podcast could help someone, then we would love for you to share it. We upload new podcasts every week, so make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. Loads of love from Sam and Kat. See, See you next, next Tuesday. Tuesday. Nailed it. Nailed it. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.